Welcome to the latest edition of the Carmichael Governance Podcast. I'm Dermot O'Carbui, CEO of Carmichael. Carmichael is a charity that provides supports to other Irish charities, particularly in the area of governance. You can find details of what we do and a wide range of free resources on our website. That's carmichaelireland.ie. You can also find previous editions of our governance podcast on our website or on your favourite podcast platform, be that SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Acast. We are all probably aware of that phrase, debt by PowerPoint, and most likely we have been subjected to some very poor PowerPoint presentations that has left us frustrated, feeling that our time has been wasted. But like most things, there's a reason for that, that problem of poor PowerPoint presentations, but also the good news is there are some solutions too. So in this podcast, we're going to explore some of the reasons why so many PowerPoint presentations are poor, and then talk about what you can do to develop and deliver better PowerPoint presentations. I am delighted to have an expert on this topic, Fiona Walsh, to help us with this goal today. Very welcome, Fiona. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. You might give me some overview of your own background and how you ended up being sort of a PowerPoint guru. Certainly. So my background is in chemistry. That's what I studied at university and I relocated to Ireland in 99, back when the Celtic Tiger was roaring and there were lots of jobs over here. And I came over because I just ended up in a sort of dead-end job and there were no jobs around where I was from in Birmingham. So I found a job in Ireland within a matter of weeks, which was great. Wonderful job in the cosmetics industry and I was working in an R&D department formulating cosmetic products. So I was working with colour products, so lipsticks, foundations, nail polishes, eyeshadows, those type of things. And after about five years in that role, I was asked to help the company implement an ERP system, Enterprise Resource Planning System, that was going to manage all of the formulations that we were working with because they were being managed in an ad hoc system and we didn't really have much visibility over the formulations. So I embarked on that project and I was working on that for about 18 months. And at the end of the project, I did a one-day train-the-trainer course. And then I was training everybody already in the company and also new people coming into the company. At the time, the company was going through quite a rapid uh, expansion and growth, so there were lots of new people to train, and we often had interns in and students, and they all needed training. So at the end of my uh, one-day train-the-trainer course, I knocked up something and started training people. But very quickly, I realised that I could improve on that. So I took myself off off to Dublin Business School and started um, an IT teacher training diploma, which was very, very good. Really enjoyed that. That was a year-long programme. And the person that was teaching that course also did Microsoft uh, Office Specialist training. So then I went with her and passed those exams. And the two of those together give you a certified Microsoft Master Trainer certification. So that is if you have an an IT teacher training diploma that Microsoft recognised, then they'll give you this certification. Certification. So then I was training internally in the company I was working for with Microsoft as well as the system that they were using. And after a while, one of my managers started asking me if I would help people out with their PowerPoint presentations because the company had members of staff who would go to international conferences, science conferences, and they'd be presenting papers because we were a research facility. And she felt that some of the presentations could be polished up a little bit. So I would try and help people just make them 
look a little bit better. It was a large company and they did have a corporate template, but nevertheless, you still need to make sure that the slides are going to look good if that's what the purpose of them, you know, especially with uh, large conference type facilities like that. And then I was made redundant from that role and nearly started a business then as a trainer, but it just wasn't the right time. I had had a young family at the time and I was in the middle of doing a master's degree in Smurfit in UCD. Um, my husband had made redundant the year before, so it seemed like a good time to move to Cork. He's from Cork. So we took ourselves off to Cork and uh, took a few years out with young family. And then I went back into the pharmaceutical industry and I spent four years working in pharma. And one of the roles I had in pharma led me back down into the people management route. And I was introduced to the concept of coaching. And as you can see, I'm a bit of a lifelong learner. So I took myself off to do a coaching diploma, executive and life coaching. And at the end of that, I realised that I had more to offer than being an employee. So that's when I registered a business. And this was October 2019. So at the time, I thought that I would be doing coaching, executive coaching. Didn't really do much because I didn't really know how to start putting myself out there. So I didn't do a lot. And then COVID happened. I was doing a bit of um, coaching with one particular client, business coaching. And because when COVID happened, people were trying to keep their businesses going. Obviously, people were, you know, didn't know what to do. You know, how do you keep getting, how do you get clients when everything's moved online? And people started working, you know, with webinars or doing webinars, free webinars to try and get, you know, clients or to get people involved in what they were doing. And one of the people I was working with needed help with PowerPoint. She'd never used it before. So this particular person was from a healthcare background, never used Microsoft Office, had it, but never used it and wanted to do a webinar to try and get some business, but just didn't know how to. So I said, well, I can help you with that. I'm a Microsoft trainer. Uh, I haven't done it for a while, but I can. So I helped her out and then saw an opportunity to help other people. So I started off running group courses that, you know, weren't very expensive at the time because nobody had any money <laughs> people weren't earning anything so you know but nevertheless they were uh, signing up for the course and then I built it up from there so then I started getting one-to-one clients and you know really building out the business and, and then I left employment in April last year so I'm sort of 18 months so sort of a new career is opening up for you in terms of bringing all those sort of experiences you've gained all, all, all through your working career to date but in the importance of being able to communicate effectively. From your experience, you know, what are the most common mistakes that people make when they're delivering a PowerPoint presentation? I think the biggest thing, when, and the, what, the key is what you've just said there, when they're delivering a PowerPoint presentation, because PowerPoint can be used for different things. Okay, so if you're delivering a presentation, the biggest problem I see is people having too much information on slides, because it's scientifically proven that you can't read and listen to somebody at the same time. So if, if you've got paragraphs on your slide and people are going to be tempted to read them, they're actually tuning out to what you're saying. So that's the biggest mistake, too much information. Are there others? Because I, I, I know what you're talking about. You look, you see this, it's so dense. And I need glasses sometimes, and sometimes I go to a thing, I don't have my glasses with me, and I'm there, so I can't read this. I'm switching up, not even reading, but frustrated by, by the, all, this, all this content up there that I can't really see clearly. And, yeah. you know, so it, that's, that is, that's a common mistake, um, are there other things that people tend to fall, traps that people fall into? Yes, another one is poor quality images or maybe loads of images on a slide, too much information on a slide. And I don't necessarily mean the text and so not the paragraphs, yeah. but just too much, you know, lots of different little pictures and, and you're not really sure what the point is or, you know, yeah. what, what's, what's going on on the slide, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no connection to what they're trying to, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
we've seen them, those mistakes, and we see, and then we've, as I said, we probably we, we've been through those. Um, why is it important to think about your PowerPoint slides? And I, and I suppose you know a lot, a lot of things. Just you go back, start with. The, the, the preparation stage, but but why, why why is it important to get those slides right? Well, at the end of the day, you're presenting for a reason, aren't you? You're trying to give some information to somebody, or you know, you're trying to communicate to somebody. You've got about ten seconds before they'll switch off if you if you don't engage with them. <laughs> so if you start with a slide with huge paragraphs on it, you're going to lose them very very quickly. Yeah. And you can see it. You can see it in people. I, I often sit through presentations, not that I'm necessarily giving, but that other people are giving, and I can see the phone comes out, people are, you know, they're switched off already because they're not engaged. And that's not just the slides, that's, you know, what you present as well and how you speak, and it's the whole package. So I suppose I'm mostly focusing on the slides. Um, so there's a bit more to that as well, because I could have fantastic slides and I could stand up on a stage with a really monotone voice, with no body language, and I'm sure everybody would switch off. Pretty easily, so there's there's definitely more to it than just the slides, but certainly the slides. Are the slides a, sort of a, a support, or are they the focus? They're the support, most definitely. Right. So, and that's what the approach you need to take. These are to support my verbal communication and how I did, yes. what I'm trying message and trying to convey. And I think one of the one of the biggest mistakes I see when people are speaking to large audiences is that they're turning around and reading off the slide, and then you probably can't hear me because I'm talking, moving away from the microphone. But that, that hopefully gets the point across. That's exactly what they're doing. They've got their back to the audience, and then they're reading off off yes. the screen behind them. Yes. Behind them. Well, I, I was just saying we, were, we had the governance awards last night, and there was PowerPoint slides prepared, and they were to line with my speech. But I had the back, and I wasn't looking at my screen, so I went off script altogether. So I have no idea what, what I was getting layers from Roshi and was managing. Sort of okay, I need to stick to the flow that I had decided to do but I went off script so um, I think it would have been interesting experience for the audience to see me talking about something in a different slide up at, up at the background so I think part of that is being if you are going to do them that you, that you coordinate the, the, the spoken word with, with the, the, the visual slide in the background so what can you do to sort of make them more accessible what is this what approach? If you're sitting down with somebody who says, "I really want to make a powerful impact with this presentation," it's very important. It's a, a new client, or it's 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 a it's a it's a important message I want to get out get it out to the audience. So you're sitting down with them. What's the first sort of thing to, you you talk take them through? So I try to get them to think about three things, and that is three pillars basically. So the people, the purpose, and the place. So have a think about who it is you're going to be presenting to. So last night you were presenting probably in a hotel, maybe environment, something like that, or you know, large, no, no, large audience, no, lots yeah, of people yeah. there. Um, you know, people are probably in, quite engaged in, in that example because it's an awards night. So you've probably got good energy already in the room. So you know, you want to keep that energy up there as well. If you if you come in and, and you're talking about things that aren't going to match the, the room, then that's that's going to be um, an issue. But let's say we've got that example where you've got a large room. The other, you could be speaking to school children. Okay, you could be talking to um, university students, different sort of age group again. You could be presenting to the board of directors, and the way you would structure your presentation and your slides and your delivery and your speech, the words you use, is going to be very different for those examples. You know, for, for children, you're going to want it to be fun, engaging. You're probably going to get interruptions, so you need to be aware of that. You know, if you're presenting to the board of directors, it might be a bit more formal, maybe not, depending on the board. But, you know, there's maybe going to be a structure that you follow or that they're going to want you to follow. It might be more facts and figures. Perhaps it's going to be discussion or maybe it's going to be discussion at the end. Um, and as I say, if you're presenting to a large 
audience you, you know you want to make sure that there's certain things for example you you were presenting at an awards last night it could have been a keynote speech and maybe there's somebody with um a roaming mic so that you know there is interaction or maybe there's no interaction you know you're delivering it to them you can see them but they might not be inter- interacting back so there's all those things to to consider in relation to people and following on from that you could be using powerpoint and you might want to send around slides afterwards and i think that's where people get confused as in the people creating the slides because they tend to have the same slide deck and think it will work for both whereas it doesn't so ideally you'd want to do the first one with all the information in so that's the pdf that gets sent around afterwards then strip all that out for when you're presenting and that's what's in your notes for you to see or for you to you know learn or or to deliver and you've just a few very abbreviated not even sentences on the slide it's just a few words really so that's that's the first one, the, p- the people. But the second one is is purpose. Talk to us about purpose. So when you think about it, you're presenting for a reason. You're always presenting for a reason. There's something you you want to have a takeaway at the end of your presentation. So that could be you, you want to inspire, you want to inform, or you want to influence. So if you think about inspire, you're probably looking to get someone to take action. Perhaps you're trying to inspire someone to lose weight, take up a new activity. Um, start a business, enter the awards for next year, you know, something like that. <laughs> um, inform, you're giving them information. Perhaps you're giving employees a pension update or telling them about a new staff appraisal process, something like that. And if we're trying to influence them, we're trying to get people to see things from our perspective. Um, how would you go about that? Is in terms of is 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 it the, the language you use, or the imagery you use, or is it a combination? Combination. So definitely language, and it's interesting you say that because another, I suppose, a mistake that I would see, or certainly an improvement people could make, is having a strong finishing slide. Okay, and that could be a call to action. Right. I know people go, oh, God, I can't have a call to action. It's not a sales presentation. It, it doesn't matter. You can still have a call to action. It could be subtle, okay? So rather than finishing with any questions or thank you, you could... The the call to action could be a question that you ask somebody. So here's an example of one. I've presented previously on mindset, and um, there's a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, her lifelong research. She's also done a fantastic TED Talk. But what the question I finished that presentation with was... How could you change your life if you changed your mindset? And isn't that a powerful question to end with rather than any questions? So you leave people thinking there, they're suddenly immediately reflecting on what they've just heard and say, okay. Mm, Yeah, perhaps I could, if I changed my mindset, maybe I could do something different or maybe I could achieve something that I didn't think I could achieve. So that's an example of one way we might want to inspire people. If we were looking for them to, um, maybe we're informing them about something, we could maybe have a call to action, a QR code perhaps with a link to your website or, you know, somewhere you might want someone to sign up for something or, you know, fill in a form or what have you. So that could be a call to action. Again, subtle call to action. And again, it's gone back to the, the thinking of the people um, in terms of what the purpose, what, what am I trying to get out of this? What do, how do I want to leave the audience after my doing my spiel? Absolutely. Because if you, if you relate that to non-profits, they might be just trying to get awareness out there. They might be trying to get you know, people to fund, fund them. They might be getting, looking to get volunteers. So it, it could be a case of, here's the QR code. Here's where you find out more information. You're not going to be saying necessarily to people, right, I want you to sign up on the door now. And you, you know, you're not getting out until you've signed up, but 
some people would probably click or you know scan that QR code and look at a bit more information the next day or what have you you know thinking of the powerpoint is 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 there a sweet spot in terms of the time of you know how long it should be you know you know or does that vary it varies um i quite often get asked about the number of slides for a certain time period and again that it depends what you're delivering i mean you could have a run of slides with an image on and one word and you could only have those up for a couple of seconds each whereas the other thing is you could have a presentation or you could have slides where there's one slide with lots of graphic information on there that you're looking at for a long time. So it really does depend. I, I don't think there's a, a I set. Think, I was just thinking about lots of graph. I see people putting up very dense tables of data and I'm just, yeah. oh my goodness, what am I trying to get out of this? Well, one tip if you do that, if, if there is dense tables of information, is to have the main body of the table uh, grey, sort of black and white, grey, colour and if there's one line that you want to highlight have that in colour rather than it all in colour because when you see data and it's all in colour you, you as you say your eyes are scanning the the slide well, what is it you want me to get from this whereas if you highlight just the one row because you might want them to see the other data and, and to scan over that with their eyes but what's what are you trying to highlight so it could be a case of just highlighting one row on a table or one bar in a bar chart and that's the one you want people to focus on and then they'll get that straight away because the eye's going to go to it and the third how does that contribute to to making an effective presentation Uh, the third one is place and I suppose this relates to firstly online or in person so if you're doing it online you most likely are presenting via Zoom or MS Teams something like that if you have two screens you can use the presenter view where you can see all your notes while you're presenting so that's quite a nice thing to, to have if you're presenting in person where, are, where is it you're presenting? Is it a large hotel or a large venue like you were at last night? Is it a small meeting room, conference room? What equipment do you have? So in the hotel-type environments, you sometimes have monitors. Quite often, they're OHPs still, overhead projectors. And the overhead projector, and they are still being used by hotels because I'm you know, seeing a lot, they, they tend to be uh, ceiling-mounted, but nevertheless, they're overhead projectors. The slide size for an overhead projector is more square, and the standard size now that we're using is widescreen. It doesn't have an impact so much on designing them. What happens is if you're showing a standard slide size on a widescreen, what you will have is two black bars down the left and right side. So you're not using the whole screen. You're basically missing some, you know, missing some space to use. And the opposite, if you've got a widescreen on an OHP you'll have two black bars on the top and the bottom yeah but you just you know you're again we've just said that your audience can't see very well the slide if you are in that large environment uh, in a conference room or a hotel conference room and if you've got part of the slide missing because it's blacked out you're missing the opportunity of having that bigger on the screen so that people can can see now if you're if you're presenting somewhere uh, I was at uh, Croke Park recently, and in their conference facility, they have very, very fancy um, set of screens, and that's widescreen. Yeah. You know, so it depends on the facilities, really. But it's just a case of checking out what you've yes. got there. Uh, moving on a bit, for some organisations maybe going through a refresh, a rebranding. Would you recommend that they should use a designer and help in doing the templates that you might need for for your organisation, so that um, and and why would that be a beneficial approach? It's always good to get a designer to 
have a look at your branding. Certainly, if you if you're going through a branding process, they will most likely come back to you with PowerPoint uh, template as well. However, I've worked with a few organisations recently where there's been things missed out of the templates because I think maybe the people working on the design end maybe aren't that familiar with PowerPoint. So I suppose to highlight some of the things to look out for, you need to make sure that your colour palette has been added into Microsoft. And when it's added in PowerPoint, it'll also be available to you in Word as well and other programs, which means that if you're say using word for report generating you'll have your branded colors there so that anything you add will pick up your branding okay um fonts as well make sure your fonts are there if you've again you've had the branding done and you've got certain fonts um make sure that those are put in quite often i see they haven't been put in they've been put in at one level but not at the proper level in the template um uh, i think that is just those two that i've seen that have been missed out and having a set of templates, that's a good idea anyway, generally, that for, 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 for your organisation that you have a set of standard templates. This is, the, this is the look and feel that we want to convey when anybody's communicating on our behalf. It is. But I would always recommend that you have a blank slide within that template because some templates are so restrictive that they're almost leading you to only put bullets on it. And sometimes you might want a slide where you've got a full picture. OK, you can put it over the template anyway, but I would always have a blank template in there but I find now I know when I first started using Microsoft and learning about the templates that was back in 2008 and they were really tricky to work with it was hard work trying to play around with the template but it's so much easier now it's pretty much the same functionality but it's so easy now that pretty much everybody can do the templates now Um, and on that note Carmichael are running a template training course in March 2023 Indeed, I was about to mention that, that you were going to be doing a course for us. You're, you're a member of our, our training panel. And to register, just go on to the Carmichael Ireland website um, and de- get details of that course. And you can sign up, I think, anybody that's involved in communications uh, and, and using PowerPoints would be something that would be very, very useful for people to do, to learn more, to get more proficient and to avail of a lot of, as you say, the, the resources that are, that are available with the package that most people just don't even know that are there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And even if you've had somebody design your template professionally, it's always good to know how to tweak it yourself if something isn't working. Sometimes it, the designs might not be that practical. So, for example, I've seen lines under a title and then if you've got the text from the title going onto a second line because it's too long, then it's over the line that's underneath the title. So sometimes that then can be a little bit tricky. And wouldn't it be nice just to go and change that yourself and take it out if you feel you, you, know, you don't want it there anymore or what have you? Just to wrap up, you know, just, just uh, as, as I say, the call to action to, to our, our listeners, um, uh, what would be your top three tips or calls to action for people that are involved in, in, in um, using PowerPoint? I think my, yeah, so my first tip is around planning. So plan what is you want to do with your slides and use those three pillars to start with. Have a think about the people, the purpose and the place before you start creating slides. Jot down any ideas you've got on post-its. They're always good to move around and, you know, get, get your ideas down. Don't start in PowerPoint, okay, because most people find it quite difficult to create the slides and then if they just have one idea and they're trying to create one slide and it doesn't look how they want to do then they start getting a bit you know <laughs> a bit despondent because it's not going the way they want it to so I would always plan on paper first and then go to PowerPoint to, to look at the slides 
Um, I think my second tip would be around images and using high-quality images. I think the biggest mistake, the second biggest mistake, this is after too much text on a slide, would be poor-quality images. And if you have poor-quality images, then when when you're using it on a presentation, especially if it's a large audience, the images can look very pixelated, they look poor-quality... Just, just on that image because it's just a recent occurrence. You, a tip would be make sure that you've got copyright that you can that you can use those images because there are organisations that will yeah. that are looking to see people that are breach of copyright and you'll get a little you'll get an email saying you you are in a breach of copyright and please remove or please yeah. pay this fee. Yeah, I've come across that with some clients as well myself. But the tip for you is to use Microsoft stock images. Right. So if you are a three six five subscriber. You have uh, an image bank of, it was 8,000 when it was launched and it's nearly two years ago and they're adding to them regularly, so probably 10,000 images now that you have. And how, just so, how, how do you access that image bank? Is it, is it in PowerPoint, insert tab and then images and then just have a look around what's available there? I think what catches people out is it says stock images and you, you'd almost think you have to pay for them, yeah. you know, but you don't, so they're free for the subscribers to use. They are very high quality they can be used, the copyright, because you mentioned that, copyright is for you to use them within PowerPoint. So if you save that as a, a standard file and then want to put it on your website, that's not allowed because that's not in PowerPoint. So it's whilst it's in PowerPoint or a PDF of PowerPoint to, to send around as a presentation afterwards. But that's a huge resource for people. And, and they come in and they are, there's something called the aspect ratio, which... When you go to resize an image, if you resize it from the corner and drag the corner in and out, the aspect ratio is locked, so it means that you're not distorting the image. Because that's the other thing that I would see, where people have an image, usually of people, because it's more noticeable. Yeah, and it doesn't fit, and I'll just stretch it out here, I'll just drag it in there, and then you have this squashed person, or, you know, and it, it just it isn't a good look. I think the third one is, is, would be around the call to action. Definitely have a call to action. Don't, do not finish your presentation with thanks. Do you know what? I say this to clients all the time. I do some design work, and when I speak to clients, I, I say to them, well, what do you want? What, what are you, why are you doing the presentation? You know, what do you want them to do at the end? And they, they it, it have to really struggle to get yes. them to think about that. Yeah, and I think it's understanding, again, going back to who the audience is, you'll see where you may have a presentation for at a staff meeting, and that may, may be totally unsuitable for you to, you're presenting to a board because it's a diff, different audience and a, di- a different need that they will have in terms of the information that they, they need to receive and how they receive yeah. it. So again, going back, you say, to, to the, the, the first yeah. P yeah. and think of the people. So that's, this has been absolutely excellent. Some, some great tips there, Fiona, and I'm, so hopefully people have found something that they can help improve their PowerPoint presentations in the future. And if you're interested in finding out more about that, have a look at the training courses coming up on with Carmichael in March so look at carmichaelireland.ie and under our courses you'll get all the details about booking a slot for that so thank you very much Fiona great talking to you thank you thanks thank you for listening to our latest Carmichael Governance podcast we hope you enjoyed it if you did it would be of great benefit to us if you could give it a rating as that helps to create greater awareness of these podcasts so until the next time Slán Gofol Gofol